Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. This happens to be episode number 23 in our series called Psychology on Vinyl, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. Uh, This time, we will be hitting a record that was a defining moment in 1980s music. This is a big one. It became a number one album in both the UK, where it debuted at number one, and in the US. It stayed at number one in the UK for two weeks, but in the US for 17 weeks, it stayed at number one. At the 1984 Grammy Awards, the album was nominated for a total of five awards, including Album of the Year, and it won three. Today, we are going to be discussing the fifth and essentially final studio album by the band The Police called Synchronicity. This was a pretty big leap in the advancement of this band. Unlike the rest of their records, there were no reggae tracks on this album. It was kind of behind them. But there's a lot of world music going on this time around. The lyrics, in a lot of cases, are so very interesting. For example, there are two synchronicity songs on this record, number one and number two. And it kind of feels like synchronicity one explains the concept and synchronicity two illustrates it. So here's some some lyrics. And again, this is a pop song for synchronicity one. With one breath, with one flow, you will know synchronicity. A sleep trance, a dream dance, a shared romance, synchronicity. A connecting principle linked to the invisible, almost imperceptible, something inexpressible. Science insusceptible, logic so inflexible, casually connectable, nothing is invincible. This ain't Roxanne, right? (laughs) This was pop music with a brain. And how they then illustrate the concept of synchronicity on Synchronicity 2, I personally feel in my book is tied with every little thing she does is magic on the Ghost in the Machine record as, as the most brilliant thing this band has ever done. Synchronicity 2 is haunting, but it's so smart. This is what's happening. It's essentially telling us in detail how while a family man is going through his rough life, at the same time, a Loch Ness monster is going through its day where it lives too. And these things are happening at the same time. They're in sync and it works. Now listen to these words, which, by the way, are delivered perfectly by Sting. And the music is just totally on point to capture the feel of the words. This is Synchronicity 2, in part. Another suburban family morning. Grandmother screaming at the wall. We have to shout above the din of our Rice Krispies. We can't hear anything at all. 
Mother chants her litany of boredom and frustration, but we know all her suicides are fake. Daddy only stares into the distance. There's only so much more that he can take. Many miles away, something crawls from the slime at the bottom of a dark Scottish lake. Another industrial ugly morning. The factory belches filth into the sky. He walks unhindered through the picket lines today. He doesn't think to wonder why. Many miles away, something crawls to the surface of a dark Scottish lock. Another working day has ended. Only the rush hour hell to face. Packed like lemmings into shiny metal boxes, contestants in a suicidal race. Daddy grips the wheel and stares alone into the distance. He knows that something somewhere has to break. He sees the family home now, looming in his headlights, the paint upstairs that makes his eyeballs ache. Many miles away, there's a shadow on the door of a cottage on the shore of a dark Scottish lake. Let's think about this for a minute. There's different interpretations, but this is the one that I've always gone with. It's the one that my mind conjured up and it may not be right. But the family man is headed to the door at the same time that the monster is headed to the door of the cottage. One dark interpretation, the monster is going to kill the people in the cottage and the family man has lost it and is going to kill his family. That may be the synchronicity between the two scenes. Now, you may not think that at all. Uh, maybe a little less dark, but still sad is how both the monster and the man have unappealing swamp-like lives, similar but dark and different. And their mundane daily activity is going on at the same time, which again is synchronicity. Guys, <laughs> this is a pop record. This is the record with every breath you take on it. But what an imaginative piece of work this is, isn't it? Now, this is the second comparison between man and large animal on the record. Walking in Your Footsteps came before it. It was actually the second song on this album. Now here, Sting compares mankind to the dinosaurs. They ruled the world, then they were gone. Will the same thing happen to human beings? I love the lyrics here. Here's some. Hey, mighty Brontosaurus, don't you have a lesson for us? You thought your rule would always last. There were no lessons in your past. You were built three stories high, they say you would not hurt a fly. If we explode the atom bomb, would they say that we were dumb? We're walking in your footsteps. This is such a great song musically, too. When you listen to Walking in Your Footsteps, remember that there's only three people in this band making this music. Now, as I mentioned, this would be the last studio album, essentially, by the police. Sting would leave after this record and record and release his first solo album. And I have a personal theory when it comes to the breakup of this band. You see, the police had too much talent for Sting's ego. 
Stuart Copeland on the drums was a force. He was always finding new and interesting and essentially inhuman ways to play the drums. He was so important in this band. Andy Summers, the guitarist, his knowledge of interesting and intricate chords surpassed many other guitarists of his time. While at the same time, he wasn't flashy, he wasn't a show-off, but he was exactly what the band needed. He was on point and a smart guitarist. Now, these two guys were allowed two songs on this record. Uh, Summers wrote and recorded the song Mother, and Copeland recorded a song called Miss Gridenko. Now, honestly, neither could touch Synchronicity 1 or 2 or Every Breath You Take or any of that phenomenon, but I'm sorry. It's just safe to say, and I'm going to say it right now, Sting has never made cooler records than he did with the police because of his two bandmates and their mad, mad skills. Now, we mentioned Every Breath You Take, which was obviously the biggest hit from the album. It might be the biggest hit of the 1980s. Yes, Sting wrote the song, but Sting, Stuart Copeland, and Andy Summers made the song. You see, it needed all three of them. That's why when you hear Sting do this song with another band, it's never right. It always comes up short. Something's missing. You see, Sting would next move on to jazz musicians on his next record, who were extremely talented people, but essentially he could just hand charts to them. He could hand the chord sheets to them. He would have full control. And yes, because the man obviously can write a song, many of his songs were still good. But none of them were police good. None of them were police cool because it needed the other two people for him to get to that level of pure brilliance. And put it this way, as an example, and, and this is coming from a drummer, the more albums that Sting released, I'm sorry, but the more boring the drums got. But the more albums that the police released, the more intense, creative, and innovative the drums were. Anyway, that's my theory as to why this band broke up and I'm sticking to it. I mean, come on, listen to the drum intro to Murder by Numbers on this album and how it lands into the song and, and, and how the rhythm doesn't make any sense to when it all falls together and tell me that this is not an amazing and special thing. There are other great songs that are extremely interesting on a psychological level here as well. Look at King of Pain. This is one of the most impressive ways the words, hey, everybody, I'm depressed, have ever been sung. Listen to just a portion of these words. There's a fossil that's trapped in a high cliff wall. That's my soul up there. There's a dead salmon frozen in a waterfall. That's my soul up there. There's a blue whale beached by a spring tide's ebb. That's my soul up there. There's a butterfly trapped in a spider's web. That's my soul up there. I have stood here before inside the pouring rain with the world turning circles running around my brain. I guess I'm always hoping that you'll end this rain, but it's my destiny to be the king of pain. That's brilliant. 
And it doesn't stop there. Other songs, Tea in the Sahara, again, with beautiful world music influence. Um, as far as I'm aware, it was based on a book. I want to say it was called The Sheltering Sky. And, and then there's the song uh, Wrapped Around Your Finger, which is another haunting one. It's another perfect example between Sting's inventive lyrics and the innovation of his two bandmates. Again, it's smart. And how many 80s pop songs make reference to the Scylla and Mephistopheles? This album got darker for me as the years went by. I got to be honest with you. I heard it as a younger man, and the melodies and musical premise were just so good and pure. I totally missed the haunting ideas behind the songs. Shoot, even every breath you take when you understand it, it's more like it's coming from a jilted stalker than it is a love song, like most people think it is. But that's art for you. It's not easily translatable. The fact is, we still see people singing along, not knowing what is happening, and the songs being played on the radio for almost 40 years now, and most still don't comprehend what they mean, when in actuality, the messages are pretty clear. I'm going to close with this. It got me thinking. You know, when I turned 40, like this album is pretty close to doing, how much did I comprehend in general? What would fly right by me without my even noticing? Well, perhaps that in this album is yet another example of synchronicity. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher, where we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this Psychology on Vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, the Police Synchronicity Playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash The Police Synchronicity. I'm going to tell you all about this in terms of a record because that's what I do. So side one, Synchronicity one, followed by Walking in Your Footsteps. Number three is a song called Oh My God. Number four, Mother. Number five, Miss Gradenko. And number six, Synchronicity two. Flip the record over. Side two, the first track, the seventh song, Every Breath You Take, followed by King of Pain, Wrapped Around Your Finger, and Tea in the Sahara. Now, if you had a CD or a cassette when this came out, there was an 11th track, and I'm going to add it because it, it needs to be there, and that is Murder by Numbers. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast, The Police Synchronicity. We would like to welcome some new listeners to our show. This is an interesting one. Our demographics report shows that we now have new listeners in Guanajuato, Mexico. I hope I pronounced that right. Welcome to Refresher. We're so happy that you're here. You know, this show simply would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are so inclined, that would be great. But 
whether you do or whether you don't, just please feel free to listen and enjoy to this this show anytime. It's yours. Don't worry about it. Another thing you can do if you want is you can visit our website for all things Refresher at www.refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. Let me do that for you one more time. www.refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by none other than Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. As a friend of mine once said, don't clown, just get down. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a huge difference between worry and concern. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening.